you could please pray, pray one Hail Mary with me as we begin this homily. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among men, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. A few years back, there was a young woman who was struggling with her understanding of God and his existence, and he, had, he was sent by, or she was sent by her grandma to go to this conference, which is going through different proofs of God's existence, going through um, epistemology which, and the, co- the cosmos, going through Thomas Aquinas' teaching on the five proofs for the existence of God, and on her way back, she was on a plane ride, and she happened to sit next to an older gentleman who was an atheist. And she left that conference not being an atheist. She had a deeper understanding of what was said by God when people said God. And he asked her as they sit on the airplane, do you mind having conversation when you sit on the airplane? She said, no, I don't mind. And he's like, I just love debating the existence of God when I'm on an airplane. And she said, okay, well, let me just ask you a few questions. You ever notice how animals poop? That explains a lot about where we can go with this conversation. So you ever notice like when there's like a big elephant, they just take giant, giant poops, but it hits the ground and it just goes Do you know why that is? He said, I don't have a clue. And he said, she's like, well, did you ever notice how like little rabbits and um, deer, like they poop like little pebbles. You ever, you ever notice that? Very different, hits the ground, it's like marbles go everywhere. You ever know, you know, do you know why that is? Gentleman's like, I don't have a clue. Well, what about fish? Certain fish, if you're in a fish tank, they, it's like little strings of poop. Like, like, do you know why that is? And he's like, I don't have a clue why that is. And then she said, why would you want to debate the existence of God when you simply do not know crap? We're here because of God, not primarily because of Seraphine and Philip. They're here to actually thank God for bringing them together. They're thanking the creator of the universe who created them, and they're there to say, thank you for creating this creature who I can share the rest of my life with, and that I love you so much that I want more of you on this earth. That's really what the covenant, the sacrament of marriage is, and it's meant to push out into the world the presence of God, the God who is love. But today, in today's gospel, Jesus says three words. He says, come to me. Some of us, it's time that we come to Jesus. But some of us here, we we are terrified of doing that. Or we even hesitate in doing that. And like, if if you did that today, which some of you are going to, because the Holy Spirit's going to work through you, like, what do you think Jesus would do if you came to him? Like, do you think that Jesus would tell you, you are so bad? Do you think he would reprimand you immediately for all the times you just never asked for his help? What does Jesus say? Come to me, all who labor and are burdened. Our world is clearly burdened. The average age in the United States has been going down for the past seven years. People are losing hope. Top three causes of death are suicide, the opioid overdose deaths, and cirrhosis of the liver, which means you die of 
alcoholism, and that for, the, for men, the average age of dying that is 35 in the United States, which is making the average age go down. St. Augustine says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. What does Jesus say he'll give us if we come to him? I will give you rest, he says. He will give you relief from your anxiety. He will lighten the burden on your shoulders so you can simply just breathe and be. A rest that only he can give because it's only his to give. Do any of us deserve it? No, but that's the whole point. Even in our sins, we read in Romans 5, a couple chapters earlier than our second reading today, says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus is unlike anyone. He can't be compared to anyone because he is God. And God is not a being among beings, as St. Thomas Aquinas says. He's totally other and unlike anything or anyone. So as soon as we start comparing things, well, God must be like, it's no longer God. And by the incarnation, that is, by, by God taking on flesh in the person of Jesus, he's able to love us with a human heart for the first time in human history. And what is the heart of Jesus like? Like, what would happen if today I actually came to him more deeply? Jesus says today that his heart has two qualities. He says his heart is, first of all, meek, and he says that his heart is humble. So this is going to go right past Seraphine and Philip because this is always a busy day. So here's your, if you remember anything for the rest of your lives, here it is. Be the heart of Jesus. Now you can check out and I'll talk to them, okay? <laughs> so what is meekness? Many people think that meek means, you know, weak. And that's, that's not true. In the first reading today from the prophet Zechariah, he said, See, your king shall come to you, a savior. Is he meek? Jesus came in our world, meek and humble, in Mary's womb, while she carried him on a donkey, while St. Joseph led them to Bethlehem, to Egypt, and back to Nazareth. And he came meek and humble as he entered Jerusalem on a donkey before he was brutally beaten for your sins and my sins, scourged, humiliated, stripped naked, imprisoned, and crucified on a cross. Does that sound weak to you? So meekness is not a lack of courage. In fact, meekness is the operation of courage in a particular way that is ordered according to the will of God, the plan of God. Serafina knows horses. And horses teach us a lot about meekness, do they not? When warriors would train horses to go to war, when a horse was ready for war, it was considered meeked. It was prepared to go to battle because it no longer responded with skittishness. The horse was able to stand in the face of adversity, anything that came against it, and it was able to accomplish whatever it was directed to do with the utmost confidence, with the most courage, and without any hesitation. That's what meekness is. Meekness is the ability to restrain 
the lower passions and order our interior and then operate according to God's plan despite whatever is happening exteriorly that is around us. It's also to restrain all senses of of disordered passions such as anger and lust and allow God to operate and work. So meekness is knowing when not to act so God will act. And in terms of meekness, we might learn how to control ourselves and we gain a mastery over our interior and exterior. And when we have mastered ourselves, when we've been meeked, so to speak, we begin to understand when Scripture says that we have become, we have become faithful in little things and then we can become faithful in greater things. Seraphine and Philip didn't come here today because they haven't done any little things well. This is a journey. But they've gotten to a point in their relationship where they said, we can't wait any longer. We have to let people know about this God who is so meek. Scripture also says that the meek shall inherit the earth, namely those who have self-control and order themselves only in a way that makes them go outside of themselves. We have a world, world that is so consumed with self, but that's not humble, that's prideful. It's the second thing Jesus says about his heart. He says, first of all, my heart is meek, and he says, my heart is humble. The word humble comes from the Latin word humus, which means earthly or well-grounded, which means like to be humble means to live in reality to which that is good, true, and beautiful. A humble heart is the complete opposite of a prideful heart. A humble heart is not concerned primarily with self. And look around our world. Everyone has their phone in front of them, and they should be praying, but instead they hold their phones, and their life is just all about me, myself, and I. And Philip and Serafina are here to say that their lives are not about themselves. There's a God who has brought them together and they are here to humble themselves before him to ask for his help. And this is just an ounce of what Jesus' heart is like. If you come to him, the first thing he wants to give you again is rest. Because he's not skittish with your sins and my sins. He's not skittish with the shame that you hold and I hold in my heart. If you come to him, he says, I am gentle. And he knows your heart. He knows my heart because he created it. And what he desires to do is to unburden us. As the reading goes on, he says, those who are burdened. The word he uses is unyoke. From whatever's plaguing you. But here's the thing that a lot of people miss with this reading. He's always been waiting for you and always will be there for you. To be unyoked means to be led by somebody who is meeked, somebody who is stronger than you. And for Seraphine and Philip, they believe that person is Jesus. And if a calf, for example, Deacon Andy's a farmer, so he'll know about this. If a calf is is yoked, they're lined up with another stronger animal because the stronger one needs to show them the way. And when they go too far forward ahead of the stronger animal, the stronger animal is not going to move and they actually end up choking themselves. And Jesus wants to 
unyoke us of all of this heavy burdens that we carry, all these heavy burdens. What burdens are you carrying today? What's heavy on your shoulders that's just simply not working anymore? Jesus says if you come to him, his burden is light and his yoke is easy. We know that simply because in the past few years they've been studying people during the pandemic. Like people that have faith or found faith during the pandemic versus people who lost their faith or have no faith in Jesus. It says their, their mental health for the people of faith is exponentially higher. Like the line is like, it's like almost vertical. <laughs> That's what Jesus does. He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the captive free. And this is what happens when you come to him. Though he is meek and humble of heart, he first just wants to give us rest from the anxiety. As Philip was walking through the sacristy before, he's like, Father Zach, everything is going just as planned. Why? It's because you guys pray. <laughs> the Lord will honor your prayers, right? But it's the Lord who wants to remove those, those burdens. Sometimes we have this in us that I just got to do it myself. I just got to do it myself. Yet those who are prideful will suffer the agony of acting like I have it all together. Acting like I have it all figured out. And if that's been you in the past or that's even you today, just kind of showing off that I have it all together but interiorly I'm a mess, like, I think the question Jesus is coming to us with today is, how's that going for you? He's saying there is another way to live. So the question for all of us here today is not are you strong enough to follow Jesus? It's not the question. The question is, are you weak enough to follow Jesus? This is not a uh, me poo-pooing on Seraphine and Philip, but they're here because they're weak and they need a savior, they need a foundation who can help them. To be in this beautiful church is a sign of God's goodness, God's beauty, and they want you all to know that. And they had to let go of many things to follow and say no to so many things so it would be just them two together. And that takes courage. That takes humility. That takes meekness. So Seraphine and Philip are here today to publicly proclaim that this day is not to say how strong they are, but how weak they are and how much they need God's grace, right? For St. Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And that's where Catholic marriages are different. Our tradition says that it actually takes three to enter marriage. The husband, the wife, and God. And that means the glue to their relationship is God. And he has to be invited into everything. But first of all, when you invite him in, he's not going to say, what a mess you've made. No, again, he wants to say, I just want to rest for a moment. I know the stress you're going through. I know the burdens you're carrying. I know all the work you're doing. And with God, it will have a lightness to it because now he's doing the heavy lifting. So here's the last thing. To do, to do this, you need the Holy Spirit. 
St. Paul boldly proclaimed to the Romans today, he said, brothers and sisters, you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit. But he said, if only the Spirit of God dwells in you. St. Paul is reminding us of the truth. You, Philip, are in the Spirit. You, Serafina, you are in the Spirit. To be in the Spirit means to be free, to be meek, and to be humble. St. Paul goes on later to say, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. So many people live with this deep fear of death. But we should actually have a deep fear of asking the question, like, what if I was fully alive? Like, what, what does that look like to you, Lord? And that's what Philip and Seraphina are, are, are going on this adventure to do, this new journey to do, to live in the Spirit, to be fully alive in God. Will it be easy? No. But they didn't sign up for easy. Anyone who says they want to be a Christian, they say, Jesus says, if you want to come follow me, you must first deny yourself. It's not going to be about you anymore. You must pick up your cross and then follow me. So there's been many self-denials in the, in the marriage prep, in the, in the journey together. And that's why you are all here. They need your help. To invite people to a wedding is not necessarily to celebrate. It's actually to give you a mission to pray for them because they believe they can't do it alone. They wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of you. And they need your prayers. So let's pray. If you could please pray the words, Come Holy Spirit with me three times. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We ask you to come among us, Holy Spirit. Please help Seraphine and Philip come to Jesus, who is meek and humble of heart. Please help them know always that Jesus is meek and humble of heart. Please fill them now, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, so that they may be the heart of Jesus to this world. Please unburden them the deep trust that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And bless, Lord Jesus, all who are here today. Help them come to you and experience the rest of living in the Spirit. So we just pause for a moment. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, not just to change the way we think, but change the way we live. Help us hear the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Please help everyone here this day, Lord Jesus, take one step towards you, away from the shame and towards your heart. So we pause, and we pray, and we rest, and we unburden ourselves, and pray for Seraphine and Philip as they enter into a covenant with God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.